What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. TheChairShot.com TheChairShot.com Always, always use your head. You are now listening to ChairShot Radio. Always use your head. Hey, hey, hey. Happy Sunday, everyone. Welcome in to the Chair Shot Radio Sunday edition with myself, Patrick O'Dowd, and the lawyer, David Ungar. Geared up for exploding barbed wire death matches, I hear. Is is that true? Is that is that where we're going, man? <laughs> that seems to be where uh, AEW is going later on this evening. Yes, exploding barbed wire death match where apparently no place around the ring is going to be safe. They've actually I heard they move fans significantly farther. I mean, whatever fans are there, significantly farther away from the ring. Um, have you? You're on Twitter. Right. Oh, yeah. You know, I wait a second. (laughs) How do we communicate with each other half the time? Dave, this was it was a segue. It was a a setup. Okay. So have you seen the Kenny Omega? I think it's Kenny Omega who tweeted how the exploding barbed wire death match would work with like the pencil drawing. It looks like a five year old with like flames all around. Yeah, I did. I, I've I've been saying this a lot this week. I get that that fans of AEW love their product, but it's okay to be critical of their product. And I feel like I hope that this match is everything that they want, but I have a feeling I'm going to be critical of this match when it reaches its conclusion. Well, did you see the unsanctioned match between Moxley and Omega last year? Well, and here's the thing. So they had an unsanctioned match. That didn't involve exploding barbed wire death match. And this one, it's like titles on the line. Sign on the dot. Like, I I mean, I the match, the first one that they had, the unsanctioned match, had a lot of uh, people divided down the middle as, as to. I, I love the match. I thought it was great because at, at that time, you weren't used to seeing that kind of stuff. You were so used to WWE. And then they brought out. What is this? A mattress wrapped in a mattress box spring wrapped in barbed wire, and they're both crashing. The, so it was unique. Now we're a year and a half later, and this is like old hat for AEW. You're used to seeing stuff like that, and 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 I agree with you that they're fa- and and I like AEW obviously a lot more than you do, but not as much as a lot of these people out here. That's for damn sure. And if you can't handle some criticism, it's like you guys went out of your way to say we're different from WWE and all this. All you're doing is signing anybody with a legends contract. And yeah, you guys blade and do pile drivers. Okay. That doesn't make you different or better. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I said this in a, in another chat too, that I feel that Tony Khan is just a wealthier Dixie Carter. So I give Tony a lot here. more credit than Dixie though. Oh, I, I really stop. do. Well, 
We're not here to talk about AEW. If you want to check out the pay-per-view tonight, go ahead and do that. Spend your money, and I will point at you and say, ha, suckers. This is ChairShot Radio on the ChairShot Radio Network as part of the ChairShot.com. And every Sunday, Dave and I generally give you hockey talk and we're going to we're going to veer from that a little bit. We're still going to do the hockey talk. The other thing we usually do is your team sucks. I wanted to change the subject this week and actually talk a little bit of wrestling as I feel that there was a very significant passing in the world of professional wrestling this past week that deserves some talk. And I I know on the Chairshot Radio Network it's it's not getting a lot of talk just because of where we are in our schedules and how that's all planned and also I think there's an age difference there like dave i think you and i are old enough to remember jim crockett promotions and and can wax poetic on it a little bit more than some of our younger podcasters that's right and the mets fans you guys get a stay of execution for one week and next week so we're yeah we're gonna hold off on doing any of that sort of stuff today we are gonna just uh, we're going to continue our pretenders contenders conversation. We have two divisions of the NHL to go and just a lot happened this week in hockey. So I think we got, we got a lot to get to and I, I'm going to get us, get us kicked off. What do you say? Go for it, man. There's uh, and there's news breaking even <laughs> in the last 30 seconds about stuff. So, right. So yeah, I, what broke in the last 30 seconds? So you and I have been texting, you know, pulling back the curtain about the Bruins Capitals two games that they had this week, which were fights disguised as hockey games, pretty much with a lot of chippiness going on. Uh, Wilson just we just got news that uh, Tom Wilson's going to have an in-person hearing for his hit on Brandon Carlo that put him in the hospital Friday night. I'm not real surprised by that. What I he's getting He's getting suspended. Well, he's ha- he has a track record with this. I don't know if he gets suspended because they didn't even call a penalty on the play. Uh, but yeah, I, I guess I'll go back to the playoffs, the year the Blues won the cup, and that. And granted, it was during the playoffs, but they they were doling out suspensions on hits left and right with no penalty called. So I I bet you he gets at least a game, maybe two. Yeah, possibly. I I, I could see that. I mean. You got to look at, I I know we want to talk pretenders and contenders, but I I did want to say that those two games over the past three days were really interesting to me. You know, those are probably the two best teams right now in that division. I know the Islanders are technically in first first place right now, but, you know, Boston. No, don't. Absolutely not. But the Caps have owned the Bruins the last few years, especially physically. And you can see Boston trying to assert themselves in this in these two games and you know and Trent Frederick trying to egg Alex Ovechkin into a fight and Ovechkin's like I'm not going to fight you I'm just going to spear you in the nuts and I'll take the $5,000 fine but then yeah last night Tom Wilson getting in fights with Frederick and Tenorti um, good throwdowns all the way around but yeah I mean you know every time and the Bruins are smart they do this Wilson gets agitated he fights and then it seems to really pump up the Bruins and you saw that last night I mean I say that they won five to one but they were outshot badly and if not for cap killer Yaroslav Halak that uh that might have been a different game but yeah that, that that's that's a rivalry that is rapidly growing in, in a way like the Caps Penguins rivalry was always about finesse and not so much physicality this one seems to be going in a different direction yeah I I 
all I really have to say about these two games is that that one of them, the first one, preempted my opportunity to watch the St. Louis Blues take on take on the Kings. So sorry. Fucking sorry. regional fucking it was re, fucking regional coverage on NHL Network. Hell, even DirecTV had it advertised. Blues versus Kings. And I'm like, yes. And then I turn it on and I'm like, why why am I watching the caps? Fucking caps. I, I switched off. Sorry, man. So but yeah. Very, very physical matchup, but we're here to talk about the other two divisions in the NHL uh, and talk some contenders and pretenders here as we are well past the half. We, you know, most teams are now at 23 to 25 games played. A few of them are more than that. We're still getting COVID pauses, but this week we're going to cover the Discover Central and the Scotia North. And I'm just going to start with the North. Can you just accolade me a little bit? Cause I'm I'm really feeling myself over my over my Canadian hockey knowledge. Pat, this is it, a family it, show. No feeling yourself. Anyway, go feeling ahead. All, oh yeah, look at me. I told you Toronto was gonna be there. I told you they're gonna be contenders, and they are good. They are very very good, and it's it's cra- they're crazy good. They're well up on everybody in the division, in the win column, in the loss column. They're they they have a thirty a tw- sorry twenty nine goal score differential. This team is for real. I still think I am bullish on the Toronto Maple Leafs this year. I think they are a contender. I think they have a real chance at a cup, and I think they have a real chance at breaking the Canadian drought. I would have to agree with you. They are <clears throat> at least as far as the North a different level entirely. I, I mean, you've got you're talking pretenders and contenders. Toronto's a contender. Everybody else are kind of like, I'm not sure. Yeah. And here's, here's the, uh, the other team I would tell you to watch out for right now, because this happens a lot. The Calgary flames. And here's why they just let go of their coach. And they just hired, was it Daryl Sutter? Stanley Cup they, winning coach. Yep. Stanley Cup winning co- coach, Daryl Sutter. And he, this happens in hockey all the time, and we're in the middle of coaching attrition. We'll talk about that a little bit uh, before we transition over to the second half of the show. Coaching transitions almost always lead to a bump, an immediate bump out of a team, and I think you're going to see that with Calgary. I think it's going to happen, and they're on the cusp. Like They weren't a terrible team. They're a 500 no. team. They're at a place where they can make a run, and they've got the talent to do it. Now, I don't think they're going to win the North. By any stretch of the imagination, I still think that is Toronto's to lose. And I don't think that they're, you know, I just think that they're going to be a legitimate contender. They're going to be able to really push opponents if they make the playoffs. Well, you talk about coaching changes and the impact that it can have on a season. Nobody knows that better than you from two Absolutely. years ago with Craig Berube and, Craig and interim coach who leads the Blues to their first ever Stanley Cup. It can have a profound impact. You got to remember Montreal just made a coaching change as well. So you got two teams who are right there. I mean, right now they're separated by two points for the fourth and fifth positions. Uh, I would, I would tend to think, you know, and that's hard because that, that to me is kind of like looking at the, uh, the, uh, the mass mutual East division where you've got really five legit teams. I'll tell you right now, Vancouver, my pick to win, they're a pretender. Big time pretenders. They just uh, they don't they don't they don't have it. Braden Holtby is making the Caps look smart for letting him go. But it's not just him. It's just that the team has failed to perform like I thought. Ottawa is clearly a pretender, but that's no surprise. But then you've got 
you've got those four teams, Winnipeg, Edmonton, Montreal, Calgary, who are going to battle it out for those last spots. And I think, I think Winnipeg's for real. I like Edmonton cautiously. I like Edmonton, Montreal and Calgary. I, I, I think I tend to agree with you. I think Calgary's probably better. Edmonton's my pretender though. I think that they're fool's gold. I think that, I think that they're going to, by the time it's all said and done, I think Montreal and Calgary are going to overtake them. Ah, maybe, but I, I, I really think Connor McDavid to a great extent is carrying that team. And if he stays healthy, he's a lot to deal with. So I, I tend to think Edmonton will still, I mean, right now you're looking at, they've got a four point bump on Calgary. Yeah. That could evaporate pretty quickly. But I, I I think Edmonton's a contender. I, I do. I think Edmonton's a contender. Right now, I'd say Montreal's a pretender. Gotcha. Look at that. A little dissension amongst the hockey guys today. That's good. I like that. Good radio. So let's go over to the Central. And let's just agree right now. Handshake agreement. Even though they lost last night or uh, Friday night. Tampa Bay, they're for real. Oh, yeah. And they're not even at full strength yet. Can I tell you what surprises me? Look at who's in number. Look at who's in fourth. I know. We talked it we talked two weeks ago when they made their move, the Chicago Blackhawks in fourth place. And and that division looks like it's almost over right now. I mean, you're talking six points between fourth and fifth. That's right. a lot to make up in a yeah. short season. And Columbus overachieved a year ago. And they, yeah, and I think they're coming back down to earth a little bit. Here's the thing that impresses me. Patrick Kane is good. I didn't realize he was still that good. And he is having a really great year leading a young team. And we talked about this again a couple of weeks ago. He had the goal of the season, right? Yeah, like that that little spinning EA Sports old school hockey goal. That that was that was a thing of beauty. But I didn't I didn't think the Blackhawks would sniff the playoffs this year. I thought they were I thought they were still a year away. I thought they'd be where Nashville is right now. I thought Nashville would be a lot better. P.K. Subban finally showed up on Friday and, and had a hell of a game. But, yeah, it's it's crazy. So do I think Chicago is a contender? No, but I think they're a team you don't want to face in the playoffs. No, I, I agree. I, I think the Central is fascinating because of the Dallas factor, because Dallas is sitting dead last right now. But right. they've also only played 18 games, which I think, isn't that the fewest? Maybe New Jersey's got it's the fewest. Yeah, I mean, they're the fewest right yeah. now. So right. they're in last. More game than them. Yeah, they're in last, but when they get their games in, I mean, I, I, but I, it, they're hard because even though they've played 18, they're still sub 500. They're 6, 8, and 4. So there's a problem there with the Dallas Stars. And and it may not just be a question of games in hand and that sort of situation. I still tend to think Dallas is a contender. I don't think you get to the cup finals and do what they did a year ago and have this big of a drop off. I mean, but it's a big hole, you know, like that's a big hole. Yeah, they're 13 to make points, up. no 15 points out of that last spot. But you know, if, if they go, but think about it, if they go 500, you know, they're, they played seven games less than Chicago. Let's say that they win four of those. I mean, that 15 points gets cut down to seven and then you've got a different kind of scenario entirely. I, I, I tend to agree with you though. Chicago, I don't know. They're, they're so hard because they got all that momentum from that playoff run last year. That was unexpected. I still tend to think Dallas is a contender, but 
I'm not, my confidence level on that statement is hovering at 50%, (laughs) that sort of thing. Chicago, maybe Tampa Bay and Carolina, Tampa Bay for sure, obviously. Carolina, contender. Florida, finally a contender. And I think they're going to stick around. The rest of the division. Celebrate. What's that? I said retirees everywhere celebrate. That's right. Miami rolling right now. But the rest of the division, it's going to be, I think Chicago has, as long as Dallas doesn't make a run, then Chicago's got that fourth spot on lock. I think the rest of the Detroit's not going to catch him. Nashville's not going to catch him. So yeah, it's, that's a fun division to watch, but I'm really surprised that even though they've played so few games, Dallas, their struggles are, it's surprising, especially remember they started the season on fire and then just it did, and then just sort of plateaued. And, that, and that's the other thing is the reason I don't think Dallas is going to make the run you think it is is because they're they're going to have to make up those games and and I do think fatigue is going to kick in on that. I think that's going to be a tired team trying to make up ground, and that is a real cost of COVID in hockey, right? Like that is that is really damaging. It's just, it's just tough to overcome. Yeah. And, and make, so, and make it up ground with teams like Tampa, Carolina, and Florida that you're going to have to face. That's not going right. to be easy. Cause in the land, in the land of talent, I agree with you. Dallas is as good as anybody, but in the land of the odds are just too long in my opinion. So that's, yeah, that that's just going to be where that is. So there you have it, folks. There's our midway point contenders, pretenders of the National Hockey League. The other thing I wanted to get into, we talked about this last week. We already mentioned it once. We've got a new uh, head coach in Calgary. we got a new head coach in Edmonton. We are on the verge. Or Montreal, sorry. They haven't fired Edmonton yet. (laughs) Uh, Well, you know, they're only in third place. So this is hockey. The other... The other one that I I tongue in cheek joked about report today or no yeah report yesterday Sabers competitiveness questioned GM says everything's being evaluated including the head coach so Ralph Krieger is making it known that he's in trouble. Oh, sorry, not Ralph Krieger is no is learning that he is in trouble. And he should here's be. a quote. And he should be. Here's a quote. I speak from the heart here. Not happy. Unexpect unacceptable where we're at right now. Part of my job is to raise the standard, the expectations, and the accountability in this organization. And we're not where we need to be. I can hear excuse I can hear excuses. I'm just going to be honest with you. But it's unacceptable unacceptable. He's right. So we had we we were high on the savers. And he's not wrong. So no, he's not. He's not wrong. I mean, they they are in a very difficult division. I, I will I will grant them that that the Mass Mutual East is a very very difficult division. I mean, even even the right. lower t- re- tier teams, the Rangers and the Devils, are not walks in the park. You know, so real real quick, Dave. I don't want to cut you off. Just to be clear, Kevin Adams is the general manager of the Buffalo Sabers. Ralph Krieger is the coach and he's an inherited coach too. Adams took over. Krieger was the coach. And that's the other thing. When you get hired as a GM, he was was hired in June and he inherited Krieger and Krieger's record in two seasons is not good. No. And when you're a team like Buffalo who has stockpiled, they're like Edmonton East, you know, when you stockpiled that many picks and you got a guy like Jack Eichel, who is dynamic to say the very least. and, And you're sitting with a record of six, 12 and three. 
dead last yeah, with no hope, no hope of making. I mean, you're 12 points behind Philadelphia. Your guys aren't going anywhere this year. Um, that's a problem. And when you're done before you even hit the midpoint, yeah, that's disappointing. And the Sabres should be better. And yes, I understand they are playing some of the best teams in the entire NHL. I grant you that, but you got to be more competitive than this. Right. So I guess all I have to say about this at this point is happy trails. Cause this is, as I, as I said it to you in our chat before we recorded, that's as, as a, that's as thinly veiled. A, I'm going to fire the coach as I've, as I've heard in my lifetime. Yeah. Like, so, Trails, Ralph, you're you're getting fired. Yeah, don't make any long term plans in Buffalo, Ralph. I think you're on your way to other places. We talk to your wife and your kids. I'd start looking at new schools from wherever you want to live because I don't see you making it out of this week. Any other coaches you think should be on the hot seat right now? I mean, if you're, I mean, I guess we could pick and choose and just look at records and like who's who's been there for a while and should be fired because they're not performing. Whoever's coaching Vancouver. Has got, and I don't remember who their coach is. I think who's coaching Ottawa? Ottawa, I don't think so because nobody expected anything from Ottawa or Detroit. Vancouver's because there's people like me who thought Vancouver was really going to be a challenger this year and they're not. That is a coaching situation I would keep my eyes on. I think Vancouver's on the block. You know, is Tortorella still coaching Columbus? I think he's probably safe, but I think looking at things right now, Vancouver, maybe Arizona. Arizona should have been doing a little bit better. There could be a yeah. change coming there. Other than that, I think, um, you know, like I said, I don't know if you see anything other than the Sabres in the East. The, the Devils and the Rangers, that's tough because of where they are. And they're, and they're both, they're playing pretty well. I mean, yeah, the Devils. They're proud, f- they're, they're proud franchises, but yeah. I think they also, I think their front office recognizes that they, they've got a few years to go before they're quote unquote back. Yes. And you got to have some better management out of that. So definitely. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I think that's going to do it for this week's hockey talk. Uh, good conversation. We got to talk about some different stuff for a change, Dave, instead of just looking at their records and talking about how, how performances are done, by the way, hats off to the St. Louis blues as of Saturday, riding a four game winning streak and jumping all the way back up to second. Cause yeah. you know, your fluid in, in the NHL and that in that division like what we said last week briefly about the West you know talking about contenders pretenders in in one week they kind of went back to where we thought they were going to be Colorado's in third uh Minnesota well they're tied Colorado Minnesota the Kings fell back so you know <laughs> and the and so, the Kings are one I mean, where okay you guys were overachieving for a while now it looks like it's done yeah exactly so Everything's happy in St. Louis land. I still question whether they're a true contender, and I stand by my statement from last week. I will always love my team. I just don't know that they're a Stanley Cup competitor. When we come back, Dave and I are going to switch gears and talk a little wrestling and a little bit of Jim Crockett Jr. So stay tuned. You're listening to ChairShot Radio on the ChairShot Radio Network, a part of the ChairShot.com. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. 
Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. Go to powerslam.tv, promo code chairshot. Get your free month. Again, that's powerslam.tv, promo code chairshot. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. All right, welcome back. I forgot to do this in front of the commercial break, so also paying some other bills. If you love what we do over here at thechairshot.com and the Chairshot Radio Network, head on over to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash thechairshot and support us by buying a shirt. We've got all kinds of great stuff out there, everything from some of the greatest hits and phrases from our shows like hashtag save save tag team wrestling, hashtag journalism, uh, you can still you can still buy the now defunct Plat Balaz 2021 T-shirt. You can still get Everybody Hates Greg. There's all kinds of show T-shirts like Bandwagon Nerds and Winner Is You, the OG Chair Shot logo. Get it either in your standard style or spend a little extra, get it soft style, and just support us. We really appreciate all the help that you can get, and we love bringing you quality content. Help us keep doing that by buying a shirt over at prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot. Now, thought we would wrap up the show today talking about what could have been one of the bigger deaths in pro wrestling had Vince McMahon not done what he'd done, and that is the passing of Jim Crockett Jr. As it was... If you look at wrestling figures of the 80s, there was Vince and what he was doing with the WWE, and then there was Jim Crockett and what he was doing in Mid-Atlantic and eventually WCW, kind of. It was never really called World Championship Wrestling until Turner got involved, but he was still involved within the product. And I was thinking about this when I learned his passing, Dave, and I'll let you jump in. And, and I thought about this after listening to the WrestleMania podcast, too, where you guys were talking about what wrestling would be had WrestleMania not succeeded. And Jim Crockett, had he not done two things, and Arn Anderson talks about this a lot, had he not tried to go purchase for purchase with the WWE to compete with them, we might still have Mid-Atlantic slash Territorial World Championship Southern Wrestling the way that it, that it was back in the 80s. And and two, if Vince McMahon had failed miserably with WrestleMania and that vision hadn't shown up, the territories would still exist, I think, the way that the way that in a way that we remember them. And he would have still been a force as a promoter and owner in professional wrestling. Thoughts. That's hard. I mean, you know, because it's a it's a lot of what about is or a lot of what. It is, right. and, and I mean, you know, you also have to remember, it just, what Vince did when he started to gobble up territories was not the way that guys like Jim Crockett thought about the business at that time. You know, Vince wanted to take it national, he wanted to leverage cable, he wanted to to make, I mean, yeah, everybody was said, yeah, here's our territory, here's yours, here's ours. Vince said, screw that. 
and went in a different direction. And 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 Crockett wasn't of the mentality to have a vision like Vince's did. When he felt threatened, like you're saying, he tried to match Vince in in many ways, purchase for purchase, which was was a mistake because Vince was going after more lucrative, better established, bigger markets that were going to leverage what he wanted to do. And that left Crockett buying up some of the lesser places where, sure, you can make some inroads there. But like when Vince bought Georgia Championship Wrestling, that was a major blow (laughs) to the entire NWA and that sort of thing. So I, I... I don't know because it's it's hard to say that would the territories have persisted if WrestleMania fails probably there's there's you can make that argument I, mean, I think there I think there would have been fewer territories they I think they would have been bigger but you know you look at like you know you mentioned Georgia Championship Wrestling and Vince buying Georgia and that was yes that was huge but remember when the WWE first bought the time slot on Turner Television and what happened with that audience when they brought their brand of wrestling to those networks? It was a colossal failure. It was a colossal failure because that's not what that audience wanted to see. And that's honestly, when I think about the great failure, Jim Crockett Jr. and what he tried to do, that's the audience he should have tried to keep. And it wouldn't have been as big, right? But it would have been sustainable. And I think that's what I found really, you know, there's a lot of stories about the excess and the overextension that took place, but they were running one of the, they were running as hot as anything in the mid eighties when the four horsemen first were created, when you had Arn Tully, Rick, um, Dylan and, um, Holy to, to start. And even when you had Barry Windham in there, that was, that was as good as anything. It was, and and I yeah and that's for me that I think they would have survived, and and eventually I think would have rolled back and thrived because that AEW what I really want AEW to be and I know it's not that is I really wanted it to be what they set out to say it was going to be because that what they said they wanted it to set out to be was very much in line with the vision of the Crockets, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, and, if, and AEW has elements of that except for them territories are promotions you know hey we got con we got agreements with impact we got agreements with njpw so they're not territories is more like contractual agreements but getting back right. to crockett what's interesting to me is that and it's not talked about enough but i really think jim crockett had a at least a somewhat indirect part in the origin of wrestlemania because he created starcade and Starcade, yep. I think Vince looked at what Starcade was in 1983, the first one, and said, hey, that's a good idea, but I can really approve upon that. And he did. And that's when, like we said, you listen to the WrestleMania thing. The difference between Starcade 83 and the first WrestleMania is very noticeable in production oh, values. And, and, Absolutely. And not match quality, I still say Starcade 83 was the better card. But when you look at the two events, match them up side by side, there's no comparison. And, 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 right. and WrestleMania took the concept of the super card added production value and it just took off you're there okay did did I, did I lose you or did you lose me i it, just pause for a second it's it's all good just keep rolling man okay i wasn't even talking i was listening to you so yeah. i it just i didn't say anything other than just like like we were saying you know there's there's the concept of starcade i think influenced vince to go in the direction he wanted to go oh, yeah. and a different vision so in that respect Jim was very responsible for his own demise in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's it's interesting when I was listening to that, 
because yeah, I think Jim had a great vision and you all talked about, they, you, you compared Starcade to WrestleMania one. And the thing that I thought that was really interesting is y'all talked about spectacle out of WrestleMania one. Starcade was a spectacle of its own. Like if you were in the live crowd, it was totally fine. Like, and it was a spectacle and an event unlike any other. And it did, it went through all the problems that you would expect the first of a show of its kind to go through. But from a work work rate point of view, bigger deal. From a storyline point of view, I would argue as big a deal as anything. Like that Piper Valentine feud that leads to the dog collar match. I've been watching the mid I I've been watching Mid Atlantic in order just for funsies for for a while now. And that build is really, really good. And it's all built on the promo work of of Roddy Piper and the physicality of Greg Valentine. It's a really interesting contrast to watch. Like Piper does all the talking. Valentine beats the shit out of him in dirty ways and then starts ducking him. It's a great story. Well, 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 well done. It is still the gold standard for that kind of match. Even now today. It was amazing. And you know, there are, there are definitely some forgettable matches, but WrestleMania one to me is a televised house show with Liberace and celebrities because the type of matches you get out of there, even with the announced crew it's it's like one of their regular shows. They just put a fancy name on it and blew off a couple of angles at the at the end there, with with Hogan, Orndorff, Piper, and Mr. T, and Snooka and Cindy Lauper and Bob Orton Jr. Like everybody and their brothers in that in that clusterfuck of a main event. Like like we said on the show though, WrestleMania one. The advantage it has is that it is it is, and I still think the birthplace of sports entertainment because you got oh, absolutely mainstream attention you brought it mainstream you got these different industries that had not been involved with pro wrestling before and and so that's right. what made i mean starcade the first one that you know crockett was responsible for every bit the spectacle i mean that steel cage match everything going on with the crowd everybody just fawning over rick flair all the girls losing their shit over him that's all fine and great and and, and the matches were better i've always still have a problem with gene kaniski's refereeing in that main event but that's just me uh but i mean very but you look at those two events and you can really see the difference between what crockett's vision was and how he wanted to do it and what vince's was crockett very serious very old school vince looking to the future and uh to to make this not about vince mcmahon because we're talking about jim crockett jim crockett had a vision that was marketable in the place that he was he was promoting and he lost sight of it and that eventually is what ended in my opinion him losing sight of his vision and what he had in front of him versus trying to compete with vince mcmahon ultimately in my opinion led to the end of his being able to hold on to mid-atlantic being able to be any sort of significant part of wcw and the nwa but he he was a legacy. He was a reluctant legacy too. Like he didn't necessarily want to be into his daddy's promotion business, but he took it on and was a part of it. His brother was was the one in front of the camera. Like if you want to watch some awkward conversations in front of a camera, listen to Jim Crockett talk. It's it's yeah. He he is not Vince McMahon. So all that to be said, you know, multiple time NWA president, even at a time when it started to matter a little bit less. Raise your glass to Jim Crockett. Happy trails, Jim Crockett Jr. You will be missed. You were as much every bit an icon of the 80s in professional wrestling as people say you are. And, and Godspeed. Yeah, 
I can't say it any better than that. You will be missed. All right. Well, then that is going to do it for this Sunday edition of Chair Shot Radio. Before we get out of here, Dave, talk to the audience a little bit about this podcast that we've been mentioning here, this WrestleMania Rewind Review. I can't remember what the title was and what's going on with that project. I'm I'm trying to get involved with it a little bit later down the road. I've been talking to Platt. I'm in negotiation. You don't want to do WrestleMania 7 through 12. It's going to be awesome, man. (laughs) Time out, because here look, I will defend. Actually, I'll defend eight. Okay, I will defend. I will, I will actually defend aspects of seven. Yep, because seven has one of my favorite sports entertainment matches of all time. It's got and, a blindfold match. And ten, ten That's is easily hand. defensible. And ten, and ten has one of the greatest WrestleMania matches of all time. Right? As, no, as does twelve. To be honest, you know. But no, Ele- was eleven. Like, Eleven's hard to defend though, and nine. Well, and I was a at little nine. And I was at nine. So. Oh, look at you. Well, that that was the thing I mentioned to Platt because I was at 26 and, with Greg. And so I, I dropped that one. I also, I mean, who wouldn't want to do the sweet spot of the six after, what is it you're doing, seven through 13? Seven through, or seven through 12. Seven through 12, yeah. So then that would be 13 through 19? That's the sweet spot there. That's a, that's a sweet spot of WrestleManias. And even the WrestleManias after that, because I really feel like WrestleMania was – which is a dope show until about 28. So, and then really at about 28, it starts to change a little bit and gets way heavier on some of the entertainment aspects. And, and yeah. that's a conversation for a different show, but talk to people about this podcast. Cause you did the first one. Yeah. Chris Platt had the idea that, you know, leading into WrestleMania, we would cover all 36 WrestleManias in blocks of six because, you know, 36 is divisible by six and nice, easy blocks of six. Go figure. And, um, yeah, we, so we started covering WrestleManias one through six and he wanted me on there because I'm the elder statesman of the chair shot and lived through those six, you know, and still remember him pretty well. So we covered a lot of the highlights from the first six WrestleManias. And then we're continuing that with seven through 12. And I think I'm going to come on that one as well. And then probably step away during the attitude era and let somebody else run with that. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's a good project, especially those first six WrestleManias because, those are your foundational WrestleManias right there. Without those six, uh, you really don't get... I mean, the first one was hugely important, but I think it's the combination, the cumulative effect of those six. And the storylines like the Mega Powers exploding, which is still, in a lot of our opinion, the best storyline of all time. Uh, Ultimate Warrior's Ascension, Hulk being, you know, becoming immortal at the same time that he's shown to be mortal because he loses, that sort of thing. So those those are really important, but that's what... That's the idea is take these in, in chunks of six at a time, kind of look at their impact on the industry, upon the legacy of what WrestleMania is, upon the spectacle, the grandeur, and how each one kind of built upon the other one in a different way to make WrestleMania, you know, last year, the exception because of what was going on in the world, make it what it has turned into, which is the Super Bowl of pro wrestling. Excellent. Well said. Well, that's going to do it for this Sunday edition of Chair Shot Radio. As we get out of here, I want to remind you all to follow Dave on the Twitter at Attitude of Aggression. That is at Attitude Ag, Attitude A-G-G. You can follow me at Wrestling Realist. That is at W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. You can catch Dave and I every Sunday on the Chair Shot Radio together for Bandwagon Nerds. Dave is all over the Chair Shot podcasting universe with 
you know, I hear him on Pod is War, the DWI podcast. Basically, if we need a podcaster, David Ungar is there to help out as he raises his eyebrows a little bit. Thank you, everyone, for giving us the listen. Check out all the editions of Share Shot Radio. They drop every morning at 6 a.m. Until next week, this has been your hockey update on the Chair Shot Radio, a part of the Chair Shot Radio Network on thechairshot.com. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.